Good morning. Morning. Is that how I sounded? Oh, okay. You you weren't mocking me. All right. Good. Because you're close enough for me to punch. <laughs> well, uh, this week I had a a very devastating thing happen. Actually, it was the day before yesterday. Um, you see, I've I, I've had a thing that I've been quite proud of in my life, and that's been my eyesight. I remember since I was since I was young, um, bragging about eating my carrots, and that's why I've not come to that place to where I have to have long arms to be able to read. I'm needing long arms. The day before yesterday, I was uh, like to pray through the scriptures in the morning, and I, you know, like to have my Bible like right there when I'm praying and. Couldn't see them anymore, so please pray for me in this, would you? Uh, and I know there are those of you who struggle much more than that, and I am not, believe me, I'm not making fun, but um, uh, a very stern reality in my life. So anyway, um, just thought I would admit that this morning. All right. Got some pretty heavy stuff in front of us this morning. Um, as I've made it through the first service and... Literally, I mean, it's, you know, Andrew and I have talked. I mean, there's, to hit everything that's here, I mean, we need a couple of hours at least. Um, I was finishing up my second point at uh, about 10 after 9 this morning. So, you know, I, I hope you all ate before you came because, you know, it may be 12, 15 or so. But um, anyway, I'm going to do my best. But um, um, let's pray and, and we'll dive in. Father, um, before us this morning is your word. Um, Father, in many places it's, it's hard. Uh, it's hard for us to, uh, to wrestle with as we live in this culture and um, dealing with tolerance and um, things needing to be fair. And, and nobody really wanting to submit to anything or anyone. So, Father, I just pray that you would open all of our hearts um, from the one who may be here this morning and um, doesn't have a clue about any of this, doesn't know who you are, doesn't know how you feel towards them, doesn't know that you're, you sent your own son to die in, in their place. To the one who is walking with you daily, the ones who are striving daily to, uh, to come to know you more and to, and to live under your authority. Um, Father, your word this morning, it challenges all of us in every area of living. So, Father, we just pray that you would, you would do the supernatural in us and open our hearts in areas that we have not been willing to open our hearts in order, Father, that you might show your love to us even more. And, um, Father, I pray all of these things in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, if you want to go ahead and stand, if you're able, we'll, we'll read the text this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, says, 
Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You may be seated. Folks, once again this morning, we we begin our passage with the word, therefore. Which, if you were here last week, you learned that that therefore is there for us to ask, what is that therefore? Therefore, so once again, we get to not just preach the words in front of us. We have to look back and look at some from last week. Now, we could go all the way back to the last, therefore, and look at all of that, but that would mean re-preaching Andrew's sermon from last week. So do you want him to come up and preach that again and then me do this one? No, they don't want to hear your message again, Andrew, so I'll, okay, you don't hear it again either, all right. All right, well, then I guess I'll, I'll preach this one. Um, but, folks, we do. We have, to, we have to look back, and we have to wrestle with what, what, is, what is Paul trying to communicate here? I mean, last week we went through this list of, uh, of things that we're to put away and things that we're to put on and, and the way our life is to change once we become a believer in Jesus Christ. And, and he finishes up, and I, I'm just going to read these last two verses and, and, and basically deal with one word. I tried to deal with a whole bunch of it in the last service and ran completely out of time. So, um, In verse 31 it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. In other words, all of that stuff that you're holding against somebody else, all of that stuff that you may be holding against God even because something didn't go right in your life, If you are truly submitting to the authority of God, if you are truly saying that I am a believer in Jesus Christ and that I am only saved because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, these things have to be a priority. And then he goes on and says, I mean, in in real easy words here, guys, be kind to one another. Nothing to that, right? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, 
forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Folks, the next four words here, therefore be imitators of God. I believe he's really looking back at this one word, forgiveness. Um, this week, as I, as I wrestled with, with all of the, the commentaries and all of the, the literature that's out there speaking about these words of God, this is, this is the one thing that rose to the surface. In order for us to do what he's going to call us to do here today is, is to walk in love. You can't walk in love and hold all of these things against someone else. You can't walk in love and not forgive something or somebody in your life. It's just not possible. When you're holding all of that inside of you, I promise it's not love that's coming out. Okay? It's going to infect every relationship you've got. So Paul is just telling you, look... I'm getting ready to hit you with some really hard things. Because this therefore right now, guys, is just like Paul has taken a deep breath and said, all right, I know I've hit you with some hard things, but I haven't even really got started yet. So the message today, the one thing that I pray that we get out of this is not a couple of illustrations that I'm going to use here in a minute. I want you to get the fact that God has called you, God has saved you, He's put His power in you, and He is not satisfied with anything but everything. Don't need to say that again, because that would have been a really good place for everybody to say, yeah, we get, we get it. I've said that's the one thing I want you to get today. Urgency. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. Urgency. Literally, guys, I mean, let's think about this statement real quick, and then we're going we're gonna to show a quick video, and we're going to talk about these words. But we've just been told to be imitators of God. Pretty small task, right? Be imitators of God. So let's look at this video, and let's, let's start walking through this.
Now, obviously, you would probably find this video on a Father's Day message or something like that. And um, um, so the purpose of, of looking at that is that as I began wrestling with this, okay, God, what are you trying to communicate to us? This, this word imitate just kept rising to the surface, and I kept wrestling with imitate, imitate, imitate. And, and literally the first thing that came to my mind was, okay, what are, the th- what are some things in my life that, I've, that I have imitated? And um, it's kind of crazy, the first couple things, it was um, uh, mom was in the first service and, and dad is in the, in the second service. And, um, of course, mom is, is serving um, in, in children's ministry right now. But um, I began looking at the things in my life that I had imitated even of my dad. Um, dad, you probably don't know this, but my wallet is in my left back pocket because that's where your wallet was. I don't know if it's still there or not. Okay. But we had a poll in the first service, and this became the theme kind of of the service. And please don't let it become the theme of this one. I want you to get bigger things. I had about five conversations after the first service about why we put our wallets where we put them. But anyway, how many left pocket wallet guys do we have in the room? It really surprised me. All right. How many right pocket wallet guys in the room? All right. A few more. Well, when I was little, I began watching this and, 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 and watching where this thing went. Of course, I mean, you're just, as a little boy, you're enamored with all of the things that Dad carries and he has that, that you don't yet. And so I kept seeing everybody else putting their wallet in their right pocket. And, of course, my dad was better than everybody else's dad, so I had to put my wallet where my dad put his wallet, right? Okay. Well, the next thing I, I, I remembered about my life that I imitated was uh, my dad's signature. Okay, I don't know why this was a big deal, but literally the way I sign my name today is based off of how Dad signed his name, okay? Uh, Actually, this week, uh, if I'd have had time, was going to get him to sign something, then I was going to put mine under it and then put it up there, and that would have been really cool, right? But anyway, you get the point. Now, the point is not that I imitated him. The point is why I imitated him and how... It happened. What was the first thing that had to happen in order for me to imitate anything? I had to be in his presence, right? I had to want to be around him. Now, the cool thing now is I'm getting to watch my own kids, um, you know, as, you know, we're kind of, you know, starting to farm again and all of this stuff and just seeing, you know, specifically my youngest one and, of course, my, you know, the next one up. I mean, they want to be around it too. You know, I remember myself getting off the bus and just, you know, if, if, if Dad was on the farm that we actually lived on, I mean, I, it was fast as I could get to the house, drop my stuff, you know, I couldn't wait. But it's because I wanted to spend time with, with similar things. So, folks, this morning, what, what I see God telling us in the very beginning is the fact that, that he wants you to want to spend time with him. Because all of these things here that, that we've just talked about, in order for you to make forgiveness a priority in your life, in order for you to, to make being a kind person a priority in your life, in order for you to want to be tender-hearted. You've got to want what God has to offer. 
Because we look at all of these things, guys, and it's just, they're, they're not natural to us. Because, you see, when we're wronged, when anybody does anything wrong to me, I don't want to forgive them. I want to hold a grudge. I want to let them know what they've done wrong to me, and I want them punished now. Now, am I the only one in that? No, that's what I want. So God is saying, I want you to spend time with me. I want you to imitate me because I know how you are. Because, you see, I made you. But I've made you with a purpose, just like we saw with the video. And that purpose was that as you spend time with me, I'm going to change you into my likeness. I'm going to make you just like my son, who, by the way, he's the only reason that you can be called my children now. is because of what he did for us. And that's how he finishes this verse. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. You're a loved child if you call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, folks, this morning I, I actually meant to do this in the beginning because I know people get hung up whenever you've got fill-ins. Uh, the literal title of this message is the fact that, that, that love is definitely it's a difficult walk. And I'm just going to give you right now the, the fill-ins because I know I'm going to forget to put them in in the right order because the, the Word of God is what's leading us today. First one is love's challenge. That's what we're looking at right now, verses 1 through 2. The challenge to be this imitator, the challenge to, to understand that you're loved, to imitate God. The next one is love's counterfeit. Counterfeit, F-E-I-T. Third is love's contrast. And fourth is love's commands. So now that we've got all of those down, does everybody have those? I don't want any anxiety in the room because you, didn't, you missed a fill-in. All right. <laughs> Third one is love's contrast. C-O-N-T-R-A-S-T. All right. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So where does he start today? He begins by letting you know that he loves you. But again, this is this deep breath that Paul has taken. You know, I know I hit you with some hard stuff, and now you need to know that the, the reason these things are here is because God loves you. But guess what? We're not finished. We're not finished. We've got things that we need to wrestle with. He's looking out at these people in the church in Ephesus, and he's looking at the things that they're struggling with. And, and by the way, I think the same things that we're struggling with today, God knew his word would be timeless. He says right off the bat, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. God loves you, but guess what? He's not going to allow you to stay the way you are. Sexual immorality. Folks, I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, this stuff nowadays, we can hide it easy. Used to men, if I was going to be addicted to pornography, what did I have to do? Come on, family, what, let's talk. What did I have to do? 
I had to have a magazine, which meant I either had to go into the store and buy it myself, or I had to bribe somebody else to go buy it for me. Right? Okay. Nowadays, guess what I have to do? Oh, no, no, it's closer than that. Right here. I could be sitting here looking at it and talking to you right now, and you'd never know it. And this is why the numbers and why, why this is becoming an increasing problem in our own cultures because it's right there. I can hide it from everybody else. But guess what? If I jump back to the verse that was just before this, I'm challenged to be an imitator of God. Does God know if I'm over here doing this? I can fool you all day long. As a matter of fact, better than 80% of men right now are fooling everybody else because that, that's an issue. So I know, I know there's some of you in this room today, and please don't hear me condemning you. Please hear a loving God saying, listen, I can help you get through this. But first, you've got to realize that it's spending time with me that's going to help it because you can't be spending time doing this right here and spending time with the Lord. They're two different places, and they're going to take you two different places. So sexual immorality, folks, it spiders into everything. You turn the TV on, there it is. You turn your computer on, and you push the wrong number in, or the wrong letter in. I mean, it's just, ah, shut, go away. At least I hope that's the way you're acting. You're like, you can't push the buttons fast enough, and it just keeps coming. I feel like that, if you've seen the, um, 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 what, Fireproof, the movie. You know, where he takes that computer outside and is beating it with the baseball bat? That's how I feel sometimes. So sexual immorality is where he starts. And then, okay, I know that there's a lot of you in the room right now who are like, okay, you know, I'm pretty good there. He, he finishes that statement and says, in all impurity. So what does that mean? Everything else. So what's your thing? What's the thing in your life that's, that you're spending time with that you know is, is, is not, you, you and God can't be in the same place at the same time. What is that thing? Literally, as I began thinking of that this week, my mind almost exploded because there's just so many of them. I could go through lists. Impurity. What's the definition of impurity? Impurity. I mean, literally, you look it up, and that's what it says, the state of being in, impure. So we look at the Scriptures, and um, Psalm 19 has just been a, um, I don't know, just a, I've just been kind of stuck there in my prayer life, and it's, and it's been a good kind of stuck, just kind of praying through these, these verses. And it, and it speaks to us. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So the question is, how do I fight impurity in my life? How do I fight that? What's the opposite of impurity? Purity. So what is it saying? The commandment of the Lord is pure. So it's the Word of God. We're back to where we were the first verse. Spending time with God is how I get past these impure things that are going on in my life. Pretty simple stuff, right? 
Why aren't we doing it more? We got an enemy, right? He doesn't like us. He, he, he wants to, to destroy us. And literally, that's where we are right now. And that's why this, this point is called love's counterfeit. Because you see, every time God makes something good and lays it in front of you, Satan says, you know what? I can copy that. And I can lay something right beside it that's going to look just as good. As a matter of fact, in most cases, it's even going to look better. It's going to be funner. It's going to feel better. Right? But the problem is, is that if you stay in that place, it's, a, it's the same four words, or same four letters. We've got L-O-V-E over here. But what do you think his word would be? Lust. You see, love is about God because God is love, right? Lust is about who? It's about me. It's about me. It's about my desires. It's about me getting what I want not allowing God to do what he wants in my life. All impurity or covetousness. Again, that just means I'm staying in this place, okay? Sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, all of it is just me wanting what me wants, okay? And covetousness is just me wanting what you have. Anybody struggle with that? Yeah, it's not fair, right? They've got it. I should have it, right? God says, no, you don't get it. You don't get it. It's about me. It's about a relationship with me. But guys, the way he says this is what brings in the urgency. He says, must not even be named among you. In other words, there's no place that you get to say, okay, this is enough. I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm good. You know, I'm only looking at pornography once a week. I'm good. It was every single hour. Now it's just once a week. I've got an appointment. It's good. Sounds ridiculous, right? But that's the way we justify these things. But he says, they can't even be named among you as is proper among saints. And then now he moves into how I deal with other people. This first one is kind of what I do in, in secret, what I do by myself. The next one he says, let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. Now let's think about this. When I first read this verse, I mean the first thing that popped in my head was that conversation that you have at work. Okay, and, and obviously I'm a man, so I'm going to think about things on that end uh, of the spectrum. You know, I've, of course, lived life before God called me to the pastorate. Not that other pastors haven't, but I've been a lot of places I shouldn't have been, done a lot of things I shouldn't have done. I've been involved in those conversations where the, the language was just filthy. It seemed like every word was a four-letter one, and it was describing how bad somebody else was, Right? Or how I got over on somebody. Or talking about my wife. Which, by the way, in those conversations, women, you're, you're, you're not wives or women, you're old ladies. You know that, right? My old lady this, my old lady that. Now, the thing that I am most thankful of in my life is that God has changed me in the fact that, that now I can't stand that. It drives me bananas. I want to grab them and shake them. Which, by the way, that's what the text tells us today. He says, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. In other words, I walk into that conversation to where somebody's talking about their old lady, and, and I get to come in and interject and say, well, you know what, guys? God has blessed me with a wonderful woman. 
She is raising my children. I mean, I just the things that she does and the ways that she loves them. I mean, God has just blessed me to no end. Now, men, if you have been in that conversation before, what would that, what would that do to that conversation? That's a buzzkill, right? Well, that's over with. Somebody just poured cold water on that. But that's what God says. He says, you're my child. Okay, if you're going to imitate me, you've got to walk into that conversation. And not maliciously, but I, co- I just told you don't have malice in your heart. You walk into that conversation loving those individuals and say, Look, guys, man, man, don't talk about your wife that way. I mean, literally right now, if you're talking about her this way right now, guess what she's probably doing? You're a horse's rear to everybody else. Because that's only fair, right? Amen. Amen. Finally, I got one. Amen. Horses rears. That's all it takes, guys, to get a amen. Amen. You are mocking me now, and you're going to get it. It says, let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. And then he goes with some, some hard words again. He says, for you may be sure of this. Again, this is God talking. You may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. In other words, if you're sitting here right now hearing these words, living this kind of life, and this does not affect you in any way, you are not a believer in Jesus Christ. Do not call yourself Christian. Because that is not God's way. That's not how we treat each other. That's not how we talk. We've had several messages already teaching us about this. So now, literally, and I am speaking the way I'm speaking because this is the way the, the, the Word of God is speaking. He's saying, listen, guys, there's no middle ground on this. If you continue... In other words, if you're not convicted, I'm not saying that you don't slip sometimes and join in that conversation and then go home and feel guilty and have to apologize to your wife and then go back to work the next day and apologize to the guys for being in the conversation. Now, more times than not, God allows that to happen in order for you to be a witness. But if you're sitting here and it just doesn't bother you and that's just the way you are, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. So... We move on. (sighs) Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Guys, literally, we could just kind of glance over this verse and just pretend like it didn't exist. But it does exist. And so does the wrath of God. It's not something that we want to talk about. Specifically, if we've read the Word of God at all, we don't want to talk about God's wrath. We just spent several months going through the book of Revelation. We've seen all kinds of things that are, that are definitely coming one of these days. They're promised that they're coming. But the thing that I'm so thankful of is the fact that I may have to experience some tribulation in my life. I mean, if I'm around in the end times when, you know, when all of this is coming to an end, 
which we just may be. I'll experience trials. The Word of God is very clear in that. And God even told us to count it pure joy when we do. But the Word of God never, ever says anything about us as believers experiencing God's wrath. Because when God's wrath is unleashed, guys, there's no comparison. There's nothing that I can that I can I can look up every natural disaster that's ever happened. I can talk about every mass murderer who's ever done anything, and none of it holds a candle to what's coming in God's wrath. And literally, this verse just tells us: Let no one deceive you with empty words. In other words, when those people come to you and say, "Man, that's all right." You, Man, those church people, I mean, you know, you, you, can be a, you can be a Christian and, you know, and you can, you, you know, you can listen on the radio every now and then. And, you know, God doesn't mind because God's good. God loves you. In other words, don't listen to those people because that's not what the Word of God says. I need to say it again. I mean, this is serious, guys, because this is, this is at home for us. This is where we live day in and day out. I want to read a few things to you because I knew I wouldn't have, have words to even come close to, to address what's being taught here. I'm going to look back in the Old Testament, the book of Nahum. And you may remember some judgment that God pronounced on the city of Nineveh. You may remember that Jonah was involved in this, but this is something that ultimately came to pass. In Nahum chapter 1, it says, The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and, and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. Again, if you're in that place, if you are still denying God with the way you live, the day that you die, there will be. It's not cleared. It's not okay, he says. His way is in whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither. The bloom of the Lebanon withers. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt. The earth heaves before him. The world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire. And the rocks are broken into pieces by him. Now you may be sitting there and saying, Hey, preacher, that's just the Old Testament. Yeah, that's just the Old Testament. Again, remember we just went through Revelation. That's in the New Testament. What did Jesus have to say about this? He said, don't fear what men can do to you. Because once that body is dead, it's over as far as they're concerned. Fear the one who can cast you into hell after that. Is this a God that's serious about his business? Is this a God who's serious about his love and who he gives it to? Yeah, it is. I'm going to read to you from a, a couple of sermons that have been preached. 
One of them is entitled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. I, I would encourage you to go online and to, and to find this and to, and to read it or, or listen to it. A sermon that was preached you know, a couple hundred years ago by a man named Jonathan Edwards. Uh, I told Andrew last week after I listened to it again that I think we ought to have to listen to this once a month just to keep us in check. But listen to what he said. This is just one little blurb from his sermon. He said, The wrath of God is like great waters that are dammed for the present. They increase more and more and rise higher and higher till an outlet is given. And the longer the stream is stopped, the more rapid and mighty is its course. When once it is let loose, it is true that judgment against your evil works has not been executed yet. The floods of God's vengeance have been withheld, but your guilt in the meantime is constantly increasing. And you are every day treasuring up more wrath. The waters are constantly rising and waxing more and more mighty. And there is nothing but the mere pleasure of God that holds the waters back. That's God's wrath. I mean, in an instant, we could be done for, cast into hell. That's the kind of power that he has in our life. But for a second, let's go back to verse 1. We're to be imitators of God because we are what? Beloved children. So why is this here? Is he saying that this is, my, this is coming for me? If I'm not convicted by any of these words, Possibly. So why is it here? It's here to show me how much I have gained in Christ. It's here to show me that, that I didn't get here on my own. It's here to show me that I need to wake up not only for myself, but for those around me who have this eternal destination. Listen to one more man, J.I. Packer in the book Knowing God. He has just a fantastic chapter on on the wrath of God, because let's face it, we don't see a lot talked about when it comes to the wrath of God. We can go to Barnes & Noble or ChristianBook.com, and I mean, there are millions of books about God's love. You don't find a lot of people stepping out there on the wrath of God because they know they're probably not going to make a whole lot of money on it. But listen to what he had to say. He said, No doubt it is true that the subject of divine wrath has in the past been handled speculatively, irrevocably, irreverently, even malevolently. My mouth is sticking together. I can't believe I got through that word. It says, No doubt there have been some who have preached of wrath and damnation with tearless eyes and no pain in their hearts. He's referring to that hellfire and brimstone preaching where there's no real heart in it. It's just you're going to hell and, you know, and basically who cares? No, that's not the case. We warn people because we do love them. Amen? He's, he's urging us in our own life to take stock of where am I? Am I really a believer or not? And then if I am, go warn somebody else. He says, no doubt the sight of small sects cheerfully consigning the whole world apart from themselves to hell has disgusted many. Yet if we would know God, it is vital that we face the truth concerning his wrath. However unfashionable it may be, and however strong our initial prejudices against it. Otherwise, we shall not understand the gospel of salvation from wrath, nor the propitiatory achievement of the cross, nor the wonder of the redeeming love 
of God. In other words, folks, if we don't understand what we've been saved from, we're not going to appreciate it. We're not going to want to spend time with God. We're not going to want any of this. We're just going to want what we want. Amen? This is, this is big stuff, guys. It's big stuff. He goes on. And he says, and, and now we're moving to love's contrast. He's basically saying, this was you before. He says, therefore, don't become partners with them. For at one time, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. This is not your destination anymore. This wrath is not in your path anymore. So walk differently, he says. For the fruit of, of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And then he says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Now we're dealing with these commands. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. As I first looked at that, my, my gaze just kind of went down the page. And then uh, I was drawn over uh, to the next uh, couple of books. And in Colossians, we we find it, it's said that the things that please the Lord, the things that please the Lord are, are treating our spouses rightly. It says, wives, you're su to submit. And again, not because of any other reason than this, is the, this was God's pattern. And, and, and men, you're to love your wives as Christ loved the church, and I'm not going to steal Andrew's thunder because he's got this message in a few weeks. But, but you ask the question, what pleases the Lord? What in my practical daily life can I deal with right now? Well, look at that, first of all. How does that look? How are you representing God and his church to the rest of the world in your marriage? And then youth, kids, he doesn't leave you out. He says, says the way you please the Lord is by obeying your parents. In the Lord, for this is right. And then he gives you a promise and says you'll have a long life. And that's just simply because your parents won't kill you at that point. I didn't get an amen from you, Corey. Yeah, he's taking notes, all right. I bet it's a pretty picture of me. Again, we're coming back to that relationship. We're coming to that, back to that be imitators of God as beloved children. Discern what pleases the Lord. What pleases your father? Obviously, I wanted to be with my dad at that point in time. And, and if somebody told me to clean my room and then I got to go, guess what? It may all be under the bed or in the closet, but it's going to look clean. Because I want to be with him. And that's what God is saying here. It's, it's not I'm putting all these hard rules on you that I know you can't follow. It's saying I love you but I'm not satisfied with just almost. I've given you all of me so you have what you need to accomplish the task. You just have to spend the time with me. You have to want me more than you want what you want. You have to want me more than you want what the world has to offer. You have to want love, not lust. 
And then as we finish up, folks, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Then take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Once again, the high, a high calling. You find yourself in that place in, in, in unfruitful, just things, underhanded, sexual, whatever they may be. They're going on in your midst. Your job is to step in and to bring the gospel. Your job is not to, to step in and judge. Your job is to step in and bring the judge who is Jesus. Because that's what's needed. There's nothing in you that can fix these situations. But you can expose them by bringing the gospel in. And guys, listen, I know that, that all your situations are different. You're dealing with all kinds of stuff at work, at home, wherever. And it's not easy because in most cases, you're, you're on your own in that moment. But it proves once again why we need each other. You know, I'm standing before you today preaching the Word of God, and, and I'm standing on the shoulders of every prayer that's been prayed in this room. This is the Word of God, and, and for me to stand before you and to, and to proclaim it, I mean, it's above me. I can't do it, but God can because it's His. He says expose it. Don't take any part in it. Love these people by sharing the gospel with them, by warning them of what is ahead. The wrath of God is real. And then he goes on, he says, for it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. In other words, when these things happen, it's not even worth you going home and talking to your wife about it. It's not worth it. It's a waste of breath. You're wasting your time. But then he says, when anything is exposed by the light. In other words, Jesus is referred to. He is the light. When you bring Jesus into that situation, it becomes visible. Now, people may not have even paid attention to the way they were acting. They may not even have paid attention to the way they were talking about their wife or, or their husband. But now you've brought Jesus into the situation, and now hopefully they see. And guys, that's out of your control. Your job is just to stand up and speak and then let God do His work. It's His job to save. Amen? It's my job to bring the conversation in. To share the good news with people that I love. The Bible describes it as a warning. Heaven and hell is real. And if we really love our brothers and sisters that are, that are walking this line, we don't have a choice but to bring the light in. And then he finishes. He says, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says. And, and guys, this is the closing, the closing verse today. We've started this thing with love. We've started this thing being God's children. We've started this thing challenged to walk in love. And again, he's talking to us as individuals, and he's talking to us as the church. And folks, these words right here are written to the church. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Folks, as we get together in small groups, 
as we get together in Sunday school classes and we begin to deal with the garbage in our lives, as we begin to wrestle over the words of God and allow them to pour over us, we become an army of change. We become transformation to each other. And then we become transformation to those out there because they get to see the real thing, not the fake. What, what are church people described as most of the time? Come on, you can tell me the word. Fakes, hypocrites. Because we, we come here and to proclaim one thing and then we go out there and become another. As we band together as brothers and sisters in Christ, as we wake up and commit ourselves to spending that time with God and to each other, He changes us. We begin waking up and guess what? They start to notice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with literally a couple of conversations that we had in our small group this week. Talking specifically about this, this issue of these conversations and everything at work. And just the fact that once we do that, once we trust God and once we, you know, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and have that conversation or expose whatever, now guess what you find happening? And I hope you're experiencing that. Now when that person, one of those people in that group, when they find themselves in, in a hard place, are they going to go to the other guys or gals in that group? Are they going to come to you? If I got a problem, am I going to go to people who I think got the same problem? Am I going to go to people that I think have the answer? I'm going to go to people that I think have the answer. I want us to be the people who have the answer and who are bold enough in our faith and who are, are willing to help each other to get to this place to where we wake up to where this community truly sees what the church is supposed to be. Now, please don't hear me saying that we're not already doing that. But we need more and more and more as we see the day coming. So folks, this morning as, as we close, there's been a lot thrown at us this morning. And I know that for anybody to get out of their seat and to come up to this place and to pray, or for anyone to make a decision today, it's going to be hard because you're going to worry about what everybody else in this room is thinking. They're thinking, I have a problem with pornography if I'm a man and I walk down here. So what? Do you want to stay there? The answer is, no, this is the place of healing. This is a hospital for sinners, not a country club for saints. And that's a, that one always gets a bunch of amens. Seriously, guys. This is you and God. This is us and God today. Are we happy where we are? I hope not. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Father, I thank you that you love us enough to warn us to show us where we may be getting off track. I, I thank you that you love us enough that you want to give all of who you are to us because you know that's the best. 
the fruits of your spirit, Father, we should want full measure of all of them manifest in our lives every hour of every day. But Father, you know us. You knew us, our sinful desires before any of us were created. You knew who we were going to be. And you, you knew and that was in your plan already to send your own son to die in our place. To redeem us, to buy us back, to give us the power that we need. To live the way you've called us to live. So Father, I just pray that today that we have just seen your word as, as not a condemnation. But as a challenge to want more of you. Father, help us to wrestle with these terms. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Help us to find that as a, as a warm, cozy place. But help us also to see it as just the ultimate challenge to be like you. But help us to believe that we can attain it. And not because of who we are or what you've put in us, but because of what your son Jesus did for us. So, Father, this morning, if there's anyone in this room, and I would dare say that in, an, in a room with this many people, there is someone here who's uncertain about whether that is them or not. I pray that you give them courage today, that they would stand up and, and admit their need for that relationship. And I pray for the rest of us, all being in different phases of this relationship, some brand new in it, some having walked in it for decades. We all have areas we need to grow in. We all have sin that needs to be confessed. We're still breathing, Father, so you still have a plan and a purpose. And we thank you for it, Father. So, Lord, I pray representing this entire body right now, have your way in us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Andrew and I will be at the front. If there's any, anything that we can pray for, or any questions, whatever, we're here. Let's all stand and sing.